The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. In this week's episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, we talk about the retirement of Texas Tech Chancellor Robert Duncan. Talk about some Texas Tech news, uh, especially football news coming from the scrimmage. We continue our preseason previews and predictions for games 7 through 12. And in a mailbag edition, uh, we talk about some updated quarterback starting odds, cord cutters, corner, and what we learned. The 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Welcome back to another week of the 23 Personnel Podcast, podcast where, despite our best efforts, we still get screwed over by A&M. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. This may be an episode, if you have children listening, that you need to pull out the earmuffs. We might have to mute a little. Uh, I have to say I'm, a, I'm, I'm on a bit of a sugar rush because Spencer brought a big red over here and I've, I've already drank the entire thing. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loaded. I'm loaded to the gills. I'm pacing myself with my diet under pepper and your big red is long gone. It's gone. It's, it's way gone. So we are recording, obviously, on Tuesday night. News broke this afternoon following the surprise retirement of Texas Tech Chancellor Robert Duncan that maybe there was some interference or some uh, some sway from South Texas to get Mr. Duncan to retire. Yes, uh, there's on, on Chad Hasty's show this morning who, full disclosure, uh, we are friends, so I do like I do like Chad, and I show some favoritism there. And he does interact with us like on the regular. Sure, yeah. Which is cool because he's a legit radio host. He is. And we're just some schmoes with a podcast. Yeah, we're just guys sitting at uh, what? What is this? Twenty three personnel HQ North. Yes, we're we're, we're back, back at HQ North this back week. At HQ North, HQ South will be maybe next week for the for the draft, which I'm excited about, man. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, but Chad mentioned this morning on the show. Well before the the big news hit, he he had some had some pretty strong words for the uh, board of regents, and I think he had kind of inklings or hints that they could have been the ones to have enforced this decision, and that if if it is them, that they should step forward and say why or what their reasonings were. And so uh, later on, Jay Leeson on Twitter, who's Sometimes he's a host of an A and M. Sorry, whoa, whoa. A M. Texas politics talk show. Yeah, uh, the other side of Texas. Yeah, other side of Texas. Um, He's been a Texas Tech athletics fan for a while. He and I actually were uh, Twitter followers and Twitter buds back like six or seven years ago. And if you guys saw the the article in the Dallas Morning News a while back about Tech getting the vet school. And how it was kind of a, you know, it was an opinion piece, but it was about how A&M and Tech are butting heads a little bit. Uh, Jay Leeson, uh, he had his name on that article, so he he's tweeted out some stuff. He, he's 
he, he gets uh, some stuff from Rager Dykes. He, he likes to tweet those out. Um, he tweeted He's been the, riding that, that, that wave right. last week and a half or uh, so. And there's been, uh, you know, he had one tweet that wasn't completely accurate. He had information claiming that I forgot how many banks were going to uh, file a suit on Rager Dykes, but that didn't actually come through. But anyway, I think... All that to say, I, I think what he's tweeted this afternoon when stuff really hit the fan at about five was that he was told, uh, I'll just read the tweet verbatim. He said, I'm told by very credible sources that Secretary Perry, that's Rick Perry, conducted effort to oust Duncan on behalf of AM's John Sharp. Four of the five, and he's talking about the regents, were then Governor Rick Perry appointees, Francis Hammonds, Stymets, and Long. The fifth, Huckabee, was appointed to another position by Perry. So he's... Unless uh, we forget that Rick Perry is an A&M Aggie. Oh, yeah. Uh, diehard through and through. So if, if that's true, if there was some sort of... I don't want to say conspiracy, but a, a, a form of... Uh, man, I, I can't... Just unethical... Wheeling and dealing behind the scenes to get someone out so that they wouldn't have a competing vet school, then I don't, I don't know what to think of that aside from what Chad was talking about earlier. If, if, if this is not the case, or even if it is the case, the Board of Regents should uh, state their opinion, state their, why they voted the way they did, and um, you know we should call for their resignation if they're doing things that are not for the good of Texas Tech University and for political reasons. And people keep bringing up, well, what is their leverage? You know, what did, yeah, like what, what are they going to get in return? And I, I don't know. What does Rick Perry have on these five men? <laughs> That's a good point. Because, or does he have some cush federal job or federal appointee uh, position that he could give them that would elevate where they are right now? I, I, don't, I don't understand so we're, we're, the we're motivation aside from just... Uh, loyalty to A&M or some sort of reward that we're unaware of at this point. Yeah, so we're obviously drawing the the extension of this that without Robert Duncan, Texas Tech will either stop or falter in their their um, efforts to open a, a vet school. Right. Um, and that because of these five uh, board of regents that they were able to remove Duncan and that I, I guess would they have say in the next person I would assume I would guess so I would assume it yeah. would have to be approved by the board of regents um, so I, but that's just they've obviously sent a message that they for some reason don't want Texas Tech to pursue a, a veterinary school yes if, and, if all these reports are true that's that seems to be exactly what they're indicating and, and the only way to get them out is to petition the governor I think yeah, and so they're appointed by the governor. Got, if you've got five of your nine regents acting to the detriment of the university, like they've got to go. Yes. Like I, I don't, I don't know how we, as you know, Texas Tech fans, or even just alum, like you, you throw the sports out of this. You know, I, I love my university far more than, than I love Texas Tech sports. Mm-hmm. Shocker, maybe. <laughs> But no, I mean, like these guys—they're—they're—they're they're, they're trying to influence the future of this university because Rick Perry 
has some kind of influence over them. It's I don't know. It's it's frustrating, maddening. They are embarrassing themselves. They're embarrassing the university. I was when this came out this afternoon. I was working on putting some furniture together in our our, our soon to be guest room, and like so. There were some things that I was having a problem with actually putting the furniture together, but like I was screaming at the furniture because... There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I was also fuming mad about what was happening with this. <laughs> because it was strange that we heard of Duncan's retirement announcement the week before school starts. Like, that's not a time for a chancellor to be retiring. Well, not only that, but and he it, gave two weeks. It was yeah, basically it, a two-week notice, just like you're leaving your, you know, you worked as a claims adjuster at an insurance agency, and you're just turning in your two weeks. And he's not that old. No. He's not, like, retiring for health reasons. He's not, like you said, he, he gave two weeks. not like, like I'm going to finish out this upcoming school year, yeah. help find the replacement, and then move on. And I was like, I'm out in two weeks, which sounds like either something... Serious had come up that right. we don't know about. Right. Or these five men were kind of pushed to kind of push Duncan to retirement, force him out. Well, and that was a couple of other things that surfaced, which uh, I don't even want to repeat who said them, but there were some other rumors about mis- misappropriating funds or something like that. And I don't think anybody believed that for a second, especially uh, tech alumni or people even. Uh, who's who's interacted with Robert Duncan? Uh, I don't think anybody really believed that, and it's unfortunate that that even came out. But it's it just seems it, it reeks of just some sort of ousting that means that he was forced out before he was ready. Uh, he's forced out before Tech is ready. I mean, Tech's got to find a new chancellor. Tech has to scramble now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, this is not something that. It's not that there was some kind of miss, um, sorry, not miss, just like inappropriate behavior on his part that later turned like, like he was found with a student. Or yeah, nothing inappro- like that. No, no of nothing course. Nothing like that at all. Where it's just like kind of hush hush, we need to kind of move him out of his position. Like he, until this afternoon, looked like he was stepping down on his own accord. 
Right. I just to to think that A and M through Rick Perry has say over what our the Texas Tech Board of Regents does is infuriating. Yep. Because one, they are the biggest whiners in the, on the planet. They run away from any competition, obviously because they refuse to play any Big Twelve schools. Bringing it back to sports, they will they will dodge us in bowl games when it's their draw for us. For sorry, a Big Twelve uh, bowl game, which is how we, we ended up playing at LSU a, a couple years ago, a nine and three LSU team playing a six and or seven and five Texas Tech team. That was not the matchup that should have happened. Oh no, no, it, it should have been a six and six A and M or, or a seven and five A and M versus a seven and five Texas Tech. Yeah, that was uh, because but the SEC gets to decide. They, they whined to the conference and said, "No, we don't want to do that." And so they they got the the bowl alignment changed and. Got LSU in there, and anyways, they're they have shown their their willingness to duck us on the on the playing field. Now they're trying to avoid any kind of competition um, in terms of school and providing those resources to the rest of the state. And it's not just hurting Texas Tech; this is hurting the industry and those students across the this area, this region. Not West Texas, but like the Southern United States, looking to get into a vet school. A and M's overloaded. There's only a handful of other schools. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's one in. I'm, there's one in Colorado, and I think. I think Oklahoma State might have one, or there's one in the state of Oklahoma for sure. But uh, I'm not sure if New Mexico has one. I, I would doubt that they do. I don't think they do. So you would get, I would imagine, uh, a lot of folks from New Mexico uh, and there's a lot of ranchers in New Mexico and a lot of uh, cattle out there depending on where you are so I, I, I do think it's a it's more than just hey we're trying to put our foot down and make a name it's it's we're, we're tech is trying to meet a need and, and finding someone yeah and AM's I kind of think it comes down to money, even though A&M has more money than some small countries, probably. So I, I don't think I don't, it's... I don't see how they'd be worried about money since they're getting some of the public... What's that? The, the PUF? Permanent, the permanent university fund, yeah. Which is given to Texas state schools, but somehow Texas Tech is not on that receiving. It's actually just... It's, it's, it's A&M and UT, and that's it. Yeah, and they're sharing like billions of dollars from... Oil industry. Tons of here it. in the Permian Basin that they're just, yeah. It irks me at, you know, at. I don't think I'm releasing classified information, but at work, uh, what I do for work is somewhat in the energy business, and a lot of the land we deal with has University of Texas system written all over it, and it just always irks me knowing that all this infrastructure and all this stuff is going in, and they're getting all this money for it, and. Uh, we're not seeing a dime, even though yeah. it's in our backyard and people live in Lubbock because they can't find a house in Midland. Yet yeah. Texas Tech gets no direct benefit from oil found in the Permian Basin or Delaware Basin or any of that. So we actually were able to get through that topic without any profanity. So we no, made it. No earmuffs required, no explicit content tag required for this episode. Let's move on to some Texas Tech 
athletics-related news. Yes. Um, it was announced, when was this, last week, like on Friday, I think, uh, Texas Tech announced some contract ex- extensions for some coaches, namely Tim, uh, Tim Tadlock, uh, I'm going to blank on their first names, Tom Petty, Richard Petty. <laughs> Todd Petty. Todd Petty. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sands and Wes Kitley. Yeah, Greg Sands. Greg Sands. So, um, the... The the sorry, the details on the Tadlock Tadlock contract is now um, seven year seven million dollar agreement going through twenty twenty five. So he's going to be making uh, right obviously right around a million dollars a year. Um, in terms of baseball coaches, that's is that up there? Is oh, that, it's way up there. Great, good. I mean, he he deserves it every bit of it. And I think the compensation for the other four also puts them towards the top of their categories, uh, kind of moving them into the untouchable realm or just makes it really difficult for another school to come get them. Um, I guess I'm just really excited for these guys. We're excited that Texas Tech was able to nail them down. I think there's one more guy I think I'd like to see added on that list is Tom Stone. Okay, yeah. I'm soccer coach because he's done some fantastic things with that program. He has. it, And what I like is are the length of the contracts. I Maybe I'm used to seeing football or, you know, football teams besides uh, teams based out of College Station sign contracts with their coaches for like three years. You know, five years is long. Uh, but, yeah, Tadlock signed a seven-year contract. Kitley signed five. Greg Sands signed six. And Todd Petty signed five. So that that's good to see those lengths. Uh, it's also nice to to know that, you know, if if you're in Lubbock, Texas, and you're making three hundred twenty-five thousand a year, like Wes Kelly is, you're going to be doing all right. And you're going to be having a a pretty good uh, pretty good setup there for you and your family. So, I hope that these guys can stick around as long as they're allotted on their contract. And uh, you know, the Board of Regents okayed that. Uh, Surprisingly, they weren't going to screw the university there. <laughs> they were waiting. A-holes. They were picking their moment. <laughs> but it's it's good to have uh, some levity there on, on many of the coaching situations here. So, 15 minutes in, let's talk some football, right? I'm ready. All right. Michael um, Badger football. All right. I've got the... We, we, so, I brought, <laughs> the, the, I brought the Dave Campbell's Texas football. I totally derailed book. Spencer. I know he was ready to talk tech football, but I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to go into uh, the Merkel Badgers uh, Class 3A Division. No. Yeah, Division 2, District 4, 3A, D2. Let's see. Merkel is picked second. Ooh. Second behind Cisco. And Cisco, last year... They were five and zero in district and nine and three overall. So that's 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 pretty tough to follow. Merkel last year, they were seven and six, and finished two and three in district. So they see uh, a lot of potential, especially in Jonah White, who is the preseason offensive MVP. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about the Badgers. I don't think I'm going to catch a game this year. I may not. I may not make it, but I so, wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to read that since two weeks ago when I first knew it existed. If we're going to talk about your high school, give me a second to look at mine. I'm just glad it's, they're three A again. They were two A there for a while. And 
I have to they've wait. Either changed, the... They've changed the classifications or some people have moved in. I don't know. <laughs> but we were always on the cusp right there at the top or the bottom of whichever classification that was that we were in. Excuse me while I, I wade through the many, many uh, 6A schools to get to mine. Yeah, he's, he's uh, slowly turning the text. Here we go. Um, 6A. That's Mesquite Horn, which you will know that uh, Horn was obviously the home of Jakeem Grant. Yeah. Uh, some other players ended up at Oklahoma. Blank on their names, doesn't matter. Mesquite Horn Jaguars. Player to watch. Quarterback Jermaine Givens. I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> Um, what do you mean? How do you not know? 2018 knowns. The offense should remain explosive with district offensive MVP Givens, who threw 29 touchdown passes and ran for 20 more touchdowns. Dang, dude. 49 touchdowns. Man, y'all got a lot more words than we did. We got like a whole half page over here, man. Yeah. Just kidding. I just got like a blurb. There, there was Well, there was more than what I read, obviously, but I'm just looking at the... The length of the paragraph here for the 6A. Yeah, gosh, just everything. All you, all you big schools, man. Y'all just always thought y'all were better than everybody. Everybody writes more about you. Better you believe it. Build big stadiums and whatnot. Y'all aren't, y'all aren't, you know, y'all aren't as cool as you think you are, big and bad. <laughs> so we're in, in the district with Longview, the Lobos of Longview. Oh, um, oh man. With How the, far is Longview from DFW? That's a pretty uh, good drive. It's an hour and a half drive. Hour and a half, that's all? Mm-hmm. It's uh, quick. It's 20. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Because Mesquite Horn is right off of 20. Longview from here yeah, is, it's like is a while. Six, I was trying to do the, the subtraction from from here to Dallas. So, in, in terms of prediction for the, the district, Longview's picked first. Rockwall, the Yellow Jackets of Rockwall picked second. Mesquite Horn third. The Tyler Lee Red Raiders picked fourth. Top four teams will go to the playoffs. Five Rockwall Heath, six the Mesquite Skeeters, and the, that's still great. It's a it's a good mascot. That's a good mascot. And then my my first high school I went to North Mesquite Stallions picked seventh. Um, I transferred within the district, so I had some some weird weird rivalries going on there. Yeah, that obviously is. the biggest rival was, was going to be with Mesquite. The North Mesquite Mesquite game was always a big deal. Yeah, I bet it would be. Well, Anyways. so uh, you know, the takeaway here is that your school was picked third, mine was picked second. We that's would wipe the, take the away. floor with your entire district, <laughs> that's, dude. That's not that's not up for debate. That's not how this works. All right. Okay, we'll talk tech football now. Sorry. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so the first scrimmage of the fall camp was this past weekend. Had some news and notes come out of that. I think the biggest one we heard was uh, Octavius Morgan was injured. No official word has been released, but it looks like he will be out for at least significant time, if not the entire season. Yeah, if you can so. go by what uh, was posted on Twitter by some teammates, um, then yes, it seems like an extensive time away from the game. What, what were they saying? You were telling they about were, that before they we were started. dedicating the season to him. Yes, that's not the that's not what you want to hear. That's that not, doesn't that's give not what you say when you roll an ankle. No. <laughs> Yeah, when you've got turf toe, you don't have you don't have the season named after you. So this um, not the best not the best news for sure. Um, but we did Tech did get an interesting 
bit of info just today on the recruiting this, front. This afternoon. Well, not recruiting, I guess. Well, maybe. Yeah, he, he was probably recruited. Yeah, I'm sure he was recruited. Um, Texas defensive back John Bonney. He's a redshirt senior, graduated in December, is transferring to Texas Tech. Really odd timing that he's going to be joining the team um, in the middle of fall camp, but he'll be eligible this year. Bonnie himself did play. Uh, he started two games last year. He's, he started 15 games in his career. He's played in 37. I think he played in all the games last season. Um, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, every picture I see is of him playing against Texas Tech, and this picture was here in Lubbock breaking up a pass against Derek Willies. I so. just, I just want to know with him being, he's a grad transfer. You said right? Yes, and We're, he will be. Uh, I can't remember if he's a, a safety. I think he might be a safety. I wonder if this has been in the works or not. But classes start Next. two two weeks from today. Two weeks, yes, because my, my mom is coming to town this weekend to celebrate our son's fourth fourth birthday. Four years, you did yeah, it. Yeah, he'll be four um, tomorrow. Actually, she she kind of mentioned like. Why did you pick the weekend of like move in, like dorm move in for this party? Like that had no bearing on us planning a four year old birthday party. So dorm move in is this weekend. <laughs> that would go back to like six years ago of decisions. Or maybe yeah. So, <laughs> I think they always moved you in about a week ahead of time. So um, it'll be about a week and a half before classes start if they move in this weekend. So he'll have. 10 days maybe to get settled and to start grad school well, out just here. to get registered and everything i i don't know how that works it's i mean registering seems so daunting to me back in the day maybe it's not as complicated as it was or if it's grad school maybe it's not that big a deal but transferring all your stuff and show, you know getting all your transcripts in order and getting everything moved man that's two weeks is going to go by pretty quick other interesting things, so he, he can play both corner and safety, so maybe this will help with the Octavius Morgan injury. Right. Um, other interesting note, uh, Clay Jennings, who is on the Texas Tech staff, was um, Bonnie's position, position coach at Texas. Oh, okay. So okay. there is some familiarity there. Um, Might have been a connection, too. Maybe helped. So he will be joining... The Texas Tech Red Raiders roster here pretty quickly. Um, yeah, we'll take a four-star no matter what year, how much eligibility they have left. <laughs> that's that's always that's always great. Yeah, I mean, as a as a senior too, so he's he's got some some experience that four-star uh, base, as I would like to think of it. Um, I I think I, I don't want to look too much into it, but it's really promising to see a guy who was probably highly recruited out of high school. Who probably didn't play quite as much as he wanted to, but still quite a in bit in Austin, but still a lot. Who and for defense, who Texas. sees what Texas Tech is doing and wants to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what the situation, maybe there was something going on at Texas that he either didn't like, or maybe uh, didn't want to be involved with, or maybe <laughs> Herman just wanted him gone. Anything like that, but just on the surface, it it bodes well for Tech to see guys want to come here and want to play their last year of college here. Absolutely. And we've we've seen a couple do that, but you know, definitely not this late in the game and or this caliber. Or this caliber or on defense, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. That receiver from was we, it Oregon? Yes, Seth, Seth, Oregon State. Oregon State. Seth Collins, he's actually been making some news for himself or name making a name for himself. Right. Uh, 
You see offense do that. You see offensive players come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingsbury mentioned see, he did he did make some plays in the in the scrimmage, saying he's still learning the uh, the offense. Um, I think he's going to be playing inside receiver, which is interesting because he's kind of a big guy. Yeah, was he six one? No, no, maybe yeah, five. Ah, uh, dang it, I don't know. I he, look he's him on up. the he's on the bigger side of the prototypical Texas Tech inside receiver. Yeah. Well, what was his? Seth Collins. Seth Collins. This is not blowing. So, so we were talking about doing a, a roster quiz for Michael and. Um, he did I can't. Not, he didn't study. Yeah, I, I, and I even brought it study. up. It was my idea to to tell Spencer, like, hey, just just quiz me on any position group. It'll be great for the podcast. And then uh, I, I printed off the rods, roster last week, and I didn't study at all. So it would be really terrible for the podcast if this is what happened right so now. So I, I, I was still going still gonna to try, uh, try to quiz him. And I was like, you know what? I'll, he didn't study. I'll start off easy, start with one of the easier position groups, like a skill position. My first thought was receiver, and he he balked at that. Um, and then I said, okay, just do the quarterbacks. This is before we started. He named three. Yeah, I named stopped, three. That's pretty good. Which is not... That's all, right? <laughs> so there's Colt Garrett, one of the guys you didn't get. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. Um, and then this... See, when I said I would take a reference, because I don't know this guy's name either, the guy that played at Leveland. Oh, I remember, I remember him being recruited. All right, let's let's see. I've got the roster here, guys. It's great, great radio. Um, Good thing we're on the radio. All right, we've got Nick Gerber. That's Nick him. Nick Gerber, there it is. So there's five. And Caleb Griffin. Six. From Keller. I knew there were six. Yeah, you were right. You knew exactly how many there were. I did not. Oh, oh yeah, um, Nick Gerber, I forgot. He also went to Tyler J.C. Yeah. After uh, McLean did. McLean, right. first name basis. Carter. After Carter did. <laughs> um, so no no news on a starting quarterback being picked just yet. Um, he, I don't think he's even uh, – Kingsbury's even come out and said how that's going to happen, like if he's going to dwindle down from three players competing to two, um, and if he's gonna even going to announce that that happens. I'm sure if it goes from three, to, from three players to two, that the media will be able to pick up on who's getting the reps with what – with what team? Right. Pretty quickly. Um, so still got time to figure that out. Uh, but let's get on to our the rest of our preseason previews and predictions. I know. Game seven. We may 12. have to roll pretty quick. It's already it's already been thirty minutes. We haven't even gotten to the meat. I know. To the okay. meat of the podcast. Game seven in Lubbock, October twentieth. Time to be TBA to be announced to be determined. Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, I, I like our chances. I do too. I, I like our chances <laughs> quite a bit. Last year, um, the S and P had them ranked 127th on offense. Okay, so this is a Doug Meacham offense, like coordinated oh. offense. This is a guy that was at uh, at Houston, at Oklahoma State, at TCU, and they had just about the worst offense in the country. This yeah. Is, Texas Tech defense bad of like 2014, 2015. Right. That's why that's why I'm kind of laughing because I know how it feels to be on the other side of that. Um, Surprisingly, their defense was better at yeah, 104th. 104th. <laughs> Not bad. And and Connolly, I, I think he even mentioned on his deal, he he said something about uh, the 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 front five or what did he, what did he say? It was the front six. The front six. And he I said something about them. He was like, "Don't be surprised if they're if they uh, if they do pretty well this year." So, one, the title from the Bill Connolly preview of the Kansas Jayhawks is, well, 
Kansas will give football another shot. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's perfect. Um, but I think that their their S and P rating is bolstered a little bit by they had some surprisingly high. Um, what do they call it? Uh, disruptive place. Oh, okay. So All right. Like t- tackles for loss, sacks, that, that kind of thing. Deflections. Yeah, so th- that kind of raised up their, their defensive profile. Their efficiency is at 95th. Explosiveness, 115th, which means they're giving a, a lot of big plays. Field position, 130th. I've never seen it that low, which means they're, they're defending short fields. And finishing drives, 115th, means they're not stopping anybody from scoring. Yeah. So you will host the, the, the Jayhawks. This is not going to be their year to get you. Um, Beatty, unfortunately, maybe his last year at Kansas, not really his fault. He was left with a dumpster fire after the previous two coaches didn't really seem to care. Or three, I, I can't remember. So it was, it was Beatty who who's like directly before him. Was it when was Mangini? Oh, that, that, that was like two thousand seven, eight, and then it was Turner Gill, who went, went off to like Buffalo and he was awful. And now it, it was Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. He was awful. Surprisingly, and they're still paying him, which is oh my gosh, them, are they really them and Notre Dame, dude? Charlie Weiss is banking. He hasn't worked in like three or four years, making like ten million dollars. That's a, that's incredible. And then they've got uh, Beatty, who has actually worked with, with Kingsbury. He was was on the offensive staff of Kingsbury at A and M. Um, I think he was a wide receivers coach. Just you know, f- for their sake, I don't think I would fire Beatty this year, but. I mean, I don't. I don't think I would either. I. I don't know. One, who, who, who are you going to get? Right. Uh, and, and he's actually done really well in recruiting. They've actually they picked up like a potential five star player at one point. You're like, what is happening? Well, and like like I was trying to say earlier, and then I completely biffed on it. Uh, Connolly said he said you know as far as the defense is concerned, he said that the secondary imploded, but a load of JUCOs could increase competition in the back if that happens. The front six could be one of Big 12's best. And then he says, no, seriously. Yeah, so that, and then Seth actually pointed out, um, they have a all-Big 12 caliber linebacker, maybe not like a Dakota Allen, Jordan Brooks, but maybe like second team or like Big 12 honorable mention. Right. And Joe Deneen, um, he's a big dude, 6'2", 235. Yes. Um, he would be one of their key players. Um, I would go with... Khalil Herbert, or just any of their their running backs. They, one of their big recruits is a running back. He's a four star guy. Um, and then, like, they have one receiver that they're going to go to is Steven Sims, and he was pretty good. Well, if they could get to where they can run the ball a little bit, they'll. That might help them stay in some games or take uh, you know Maybe. a little bit further down the field. <laughs> so if they could return the ball some uh, on special teams, I, I don't know. I. I, I like our chances. I, I was going to say, I, I, said I, that don't think, I don't think there's, there's any su- surprise here that I'm, I'm marking this one down as a win. Me too. So that'll put Texas Tech, at least for me, at 5-2 and two after seven games. Yep, we're identical so far. Game, game eight. This one's tricky. You travel to Ames, Iowa to face the fighting Matt Campbells. Oh, who man. have not lost to your Texas Tech Red Raiders since Matt Campbell had gotten there. Yeah, and, and it's been two very, very ugly games. You lost by 56 points. One, the first time they played them up in Ames, 66-10. Uh, to 10. It was not even like the same team. This was a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, and you scored 10 points. Um, 
just you just looked out of sorts from the get go. Last season, same type of thing at home. You couldn't move the ball against them. They uh, figured you out on defense, it seems. Um, and then that kind of spread to the rest of the conference. I think that they're starting to pick up on that, that they're, uh, you can have success if you drop five or six guys in the coverage, uh, starting with three safeties deep. So they're going into um, kind of like a, a cover three, then like flooding the middle of the field with linebackers and, and corners. Hmm. So have a hard time going deep on three safeties, have a hard time going underneath with, you know, another four or five guys in coverage there. Um, you would hope you'd be able to run the ball against a three-man front, especially if you've got all those guys in coverage, but you weren't able to do that last year. Hopefully you'll be able to do that a little bit better this year, but you are going on the road. Um, Weird things happen in Ames. So speaking of their defense, last season S&P plus rating ranking of 31st in the country. That's one of the best in the conference. That's salty. That's pretty salty. That's not bad. Um, efficiency 53rd, explosiveness 53rd, field position 27th, meaning they're, they're going to make you drive the length of the field. Um, finishing drives 37th, which means they're going to make you drive the length of the field and they're doing a really good job of keeping you from scoring. Mm-hmm. Offense, um, not so good. 71st uh, for their S&P Plus overall ranking. Um, really, I don't, you know, they've got uh, their running back, David Montgomery. Um, still got Alan Hazard so, somehow, right? I think. Or is he gone? I don't know. Shoot, he may I be gone. That. And then their quarterback, Kyle Kemp, um, you know, they haven't had a quarterback play the entire season. I think can. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull this stat from the. Uh, the solid verbal podcast related to the Big 12 preview. It's been like a decade since they've had one quarterback play the entire season. Wow. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to have uh, – I don't think things are going to go our way. I, I do think Matt Campbell's done a great job. Um, but this is going to be my – not that it matters what I think, but this is going to be my kind of – evaluation year of, of how great he's done was last year. I don't think last year was definitely completely blind luck. I don't think that at all. I think he had some things fall in place the right way, and you just went through why his defense was so successful, and he you had the guys to do it. You can't go into Norman no. blind luck and beat a Baker and beat, Mayfield. And beat the Heisman winner, the number one and draft they're, pick. They're so, they're so loaded on offense, and they, they did a good job of stopping them. It's like they stopped you. They flooded the field with... with uh, zone coverage and Baker Mayfield just couldn't pick it apart. Right. Um, so that's not like that's not a fluke. Their defense is is was pretty stout. Will be probably just as stout again this year. Yeah. So with with that going said, on the road, so you're, you're not thinking? playing them super late in the season, end of October. So it's not going to be like freezing cold. Right. You're not playing them in, in November, like late November, when they've had some success against top ranked teams. But I just. Right now, at least preseason, Spencer is picking this as a loss. So am I. I have I have an L in there right now too. Um, until you can you can prove that you can run the ball and 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 keep drives alive, um, that you can get around defenses that will just drop back and make you beat them through the air or make you beat them on the ground. Um, you've struggled against this team the past two years. It's been really ugly. 
Um, again, until you show me otherwise, I'm going to mark this one down as a loss. Which, it, it kind of stings to do that because, well, for a couple of reasons, but uh, Connolly has not projected in the S&P Plus to go 6-6 six and six this year. And so if that were to actually be true... But yet still top 50 in the country at 46. Right. That That's also true. Uh, Which means they're deep, like he's still banking on their defense. Yeah, their defense is going to do well. What, what I wanted to bring up, too, is this could possibly one of be one of, if not the only time, Tech has played a names to a packed stadium. What is it? Jack Trice Stadium or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. If, if they're doing as well, I mean, there's a lot of buzz at that program. Uh, they're... I don't, you know, they, there seem to be quite a bit of empty seats through there when I, whenever I'd watch an Iowa State game, but, <laughs> you know, that doesn't help our chances either to have a packed stadium up in a, nope. not a hostile place by any means, but just a place that just hasn't treated, a, treated us well in a while. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, think, I think Texas Tech's best hope for switching this game, at least going in the future, is if Matt Campbell is not the head coach of Iowa State. Which is I, weird to say that, like, you know, this guy that came up from Toledo and now he's taken over Iowa State for two years. He's had your number. Um, that's sad. Okay, I'm, I'm done commiserating. Yeah, Iowa let's... Iowa State Cyclones with passing I'm, Texas I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing Matt Campbell praise because that, that seems to be all yeah, everyone so ever does is compare him to Kingsbury and Going all back that. to the, the Adam McClintock preview we talked about last week, he's got Iowa State going 4-8. and eight. I think that's... Absurdly low for them. I would agree. So he's also got Texas to, Tech at I two agree. and ten, which I think is low. Baylor at five and seven—that's way too high. I don't high. like that at all. Um, actually, so and then I was listening to the Solid Verbal Big Twelve preview. They were all over West Virginia. I was like, do you not realize they have like seventy scholarship players? They were yeah. like, they're so deep. I was like, maybe they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe Anyways, they're like me. <laughs> game number seventy-nine on the schedule, November third. In Lubbock versus Oklahoma. This one's interesting because you don't know what they have at quarterback. Because nope. the situation with Kyler Murray is he's signed that contract to play professional baseball. Um, meaning he's making money this year. He's actually making more money than Lincoln Rally, I think, which is hilarious. Is that true? He's, it's either that or he's like really close. It's like he's like in the four how or five is million even, dollar How range. is the coach... Oh my gosh! I didn't realize he was getting that much um, dough. Off so, the gate. one of those things were like very easy to see if he even so much as uh, tweaks a hammy or rolls an ankle or sprains a wrist, even if like his non-throwing wrist, he's gonna call it quits because he's got to. He wants to save his health for his professional baseball career because he's already getting paid for that. This is his one shot at football. After this season, he's gonna go play baseball. Um, behind Murray, I don't know what they have in quarterback. Right, I don't know either. And I think you're right. This is quoting that he he will uh, pay him in the neighborhood of $5 million. That's a lot of money for a... For a, a, college, a college player. Wow, that seems like such a gray area. How can, yeah. that, how can that be happening? Well, because... Okay. How is that okay? So uh, Bradley Marquez was was paid as a professional baseball player while he was at Texas Tech. Okay, I don't think I realized that. I knew he was... Uh, I think we mentioned it a while ago. Maybe when we mentioned this before, but he was actually... like they did, Texas Tech did not give... Sorry. Once 
once Marquez signed his professional contract, he was no longer on scholarship at Texas Tech. They were able to use the okay. scholarship with somebody else. He was paying his own way. It was essentially a walk-on for two or three years, or maybe the entire time he was there. One of the better walk-on receivers Texas Tech yeah, had. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. Um, so but the other thing that gets me, even if they struggle at quarterback, uh, that Rodney Anderson dude at running back is going to tear this conference apart. Well, they always have solid running backs. And they since usually like, have, I, I don't know, since 1994. I, I don't know. And I mean, usually more than one. Like a tandem of really solid guys. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but we had, I think there were two of them that ran over 100 yards on us. Like in 2012. No, something like that. And they they just always have solid guys that can really run the football and find the gaps and run over people too so that's not surprising at all that they've that they've got a successful guy back there i'm looking up lincoln riley's i've, I've got to look up his his salary so when you talk about um oklahoma running backs these are guys that had um demarco murray quentin griffin some guys in the history I don't recognize. Adrian Peterson. Um, gosh, there's somebody else that uh, you think I would remember because they had a 30 for 30 about him. Who was it? Silence. Um, that's not going to help. That's an article about Ronnie Anderson. <laughs> okay, there's, there's actually an article on here that's... Uh, Lincoln Riley will barely make more than his starting QB in 2018. And this is on college football talk. Uh, coach's salary is $4.8 million, um, And the signing bonus for Kyler Murray was $4.7. So just just barely. I, Riley did make, I say only well, that, in quotes, he made like $2.1 million last year. So Kingsbury made more than Riley. Uh, Dude, OU yeah. was like. Well, like, let's see what he had. I think he had two point eight with. I think he had, it was two point seven million, and I think he had a seven hundred thousand dollar bonus. But like, just think about the uh, the value OU is getting at paying Lincoln Riley two million dollars and got him to the playoff. Man. So the guy I was thinking of was Marcus Dupree. Okay. Okay. Back. Oh yeah. I think I actually watched that 30 for 30. Dude, it was a good one. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. All right, so back to the Oklahoma preview. Defense is going to be solid again. Um, it's one of those games, like, I just I don't know what it's going to come down to because of your offense, the Texas Tech offense, um, and the questions that they have, Oklahoma has on offense. Like I said, they have Rodney Anderson. They've got receiver CeeDee Lamb, who was really good last year. Um, their defense has been pretty good. You, you've had some moderate success, but typically not enough. Yeah, some more than moderate success against their defense two years ago, but of course that didn't end up in a win. It didn't help anyway. Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mark this down as a loss. Me too, man. So we're we're trying to stack up the L's here. We're we're not doing this. Uh, you know, we don't talk about these before we record, but right now, you and I are dead even after nine games, uh, picking five, five and, and four. four. Yep. 
very next week, November 10th, also in Lubbock, Texas. You get Oklahoma and Texas back-to-back weeks in Lubbock. In Lubbock. That was the only thing I liked about that new round-robin schedule was because uh, that you would get them in Lubbock back-to-back, but usually you also get them on the road <laughs> back-to-back or something. So the, I think the biggest biggest thing that I'm concerned about this year, or any year you play Texas, you always seem to be kind of starstruck. Um, they always seem to come in and kind of push you around a little bit. Their defense, again, may be the best in the conference. They're going to be up there with TCU and Iowa State. And just the most consistent, it seems like. The, the, they always and, – and, you know, to talk about OU's running backs, I know you're talking defense, but Texas always finds some really – Athletic running backs too, and they've got good receivers. But like they, their receivers, receivers kind of come out of nowhere. Um, they've got that uh, that guy from Abilene, Joe is his last name, which is an interesting first name as a last name. Um, Lorenzo Joe. Lorenzo Joe, which is yeah, like his name is backwards. That's that's I like that a lot. Um, and then uh, little Jordan Humphrey, another receiver. Man, great name. Um, Reggie Hemphill Maps. Yep, Hemphill Maps. Um, what about their, their running backs? What you got in there? Hang on, let me let me scroll. Where are we? Where are we? Rushing. Trey Watson. Yeah, so that they picked up the Cal transfer, uh, Trey Watson that you were in on. Um, they just yeah. The I think the biggest question for them on offense is going to be their their quarterback. Um, is it going to be Sam Ellinger? Is it going to be Shane Bichelle? Some other guy that comes in and makes them look pedestrian or highlights how pedestrian those two quarterbacks are. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, again, you're, you're back. You're still in Lubbock. Um, playing against one of the best defenses in the conference. Reeling from a loss against OU. I'm going to go with another loss here. Oh, I'm. We're winning this thing. I thought this. I thought this uh, when we did this in May. We're we're gonna beat Texas. Dang it! We're gonna beat Texas in Lubbock for the first time in what ten years? It'll be ten years now. Long. Well, and so, so here's the thing. So I, I'm thinking about it, and I'm kind of maybe talking myself out of it. On the road with a McLean Carter, Nick Shimanek offense, you were able to beat them, right? Like in Austin. In Austin, we've won two out of the last three. <laughs> the one you, you lost. That way. The one you lost was in Lubbock. Oh, and it was a heartbreaker too. We should have won that one. At the end. Yeah, one of you know, like Mahomes made probably a hundred great plays that day, and then that was one really bad one. But you can't hold it against him because we were in a position to actually win that thing, and man, it was. It was so close. Just pulled away. Just pulled away from us. Clutched away at the end. <laughs> but I, I think finally the, the breaks will go Tech's way this year in Lubbock. The Jones will be rocking, as always, for this game. Uh, I'm, I'm counting on it. W. Marking it down. W. All right. The very next week, you've got a stretch of here. All these games are back-to-back-to-back. Um after you, sorry, so you you have that bye week going into the TCU game, and then 
obviously you're off that weekend and then you play Kansas the next weekend. So you kind of get those like a 10-day break but around the TCU game. Right. Uh, and then you're, you're straight through the rest of the season. Um, November 17th in Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State. So, interesting note here. Bill Snyder's contract was recently extended, given a five-year extension. Was it five? Five years. So, which I think it was more of a, um, a move to kind of settle some nerves for the fan base and the recru- recruits. Um, despite Bill Snyder's age, his health concerns, he will be the coach going forward. Good move on Snyder's part because I think he's trying to hold out to make sure his son takes over as the head coach, which I think is a bad idea. Um, he's 78. 78. So his contract will run through... So he'll turn 79 during the season. Yep. Um, he'll, he'll, he will be 84 the time this contract expires if he's still coaching. That's incredible. More power to him. I hope he is. I hope he's still doing well. Well enough to coach. Because I think I remember reading that. I didn't remember it was that long, but I think he has... Like a year-to-year deal after that. Is that is that right? I'm not that familiar with his contract. I just know they recently extended it. Um, kind of a big deal for a coach his age. Kind of just hanging on. Yeah. But it seems like every year... I mean, year not just on hanging the, on. I mean, he's in well, command yeah. of, yeah, that's, of every... That's what every, every year he's on the sideline, he's surprising. He does surprisingly well with the little talent... Well, seemingly less talent than the rest of the conference, and he does six and six, seven and five seasons where you're like, well, how are you doing this? And it's because he will grind you to dust. Yeah. Their offense is methodical, super boring. Three yards, four yards, seven, seven yards. They just they just lull you to sleep, and they'll, they'll break like a 10-yard run on you. are like, oh, no, can they get another first down? Man, I have to say, I... I, I got to see my great aunt this past weekend and uh she got to meet my daughter which was fun and she's 81 and just as with it and she she can't get around as good as she can anymore just because of health issues but uh she she can out talk you she can out shop you like my mom <laughs> she she made my mom shop till she dropped and mom's like 20 years younger than her and uh anyway i it's just Incredible to see octogenarians. There you go. Uh, just dominating <laughs> life. It's a, it just gives me hope. I don't know. I really like it. I think it's cool that that Snyder signed a contract and that he expects to coach till he's eighty three. Pretty much. I don't think he's the type that would sign a contract if he didn't think he could fulfill it in one form or another. So. You know, hats off to the 80-year-olds out there still running circles around us. Let's talk 30-somethings. They're, they're quarterbacks because that's that's kind of like where their their offensive identity kind of revolves around. Is, is this guy more of a thrower or a passer? They've got three guys that are... Thrower or a passer? Yes. <laughs> thrower or a passer. No, uh, a rusher or a thrower. <laughs> Jesse Ertz, Skylar Thompson, Alex Delton. They've all, they all played a little bit last season. Okay. Um, Jesse Ertz and Skylar Thompson will run the ball, but they're more of a more of a balanced dual threat. Whereas Delton is definitely like he will throw it like once every 
ten plays. He's he's gonna he's gonna take off yeah. with it if he if he sees anything. He's definitely the runner there. Um, just the thing, like you've you historically struggled with running quarterbacks, especially Man. Kansas State, because they just do such a good job of of loading the offensive line. And they'll pull, and they'll have a fullback and a running back, and then you just have usually they've had like just massive quarterbacks. You know, I think of um, oh gosh, what's his name? The the big quarterback they had a couple years ago was it Jake? Jake somebody? No, <laughs> you sure? Um, anyways, they're just really difficult to, to bring down. And if you did, he always fell forward, and like so he got another extra two yards in the end of his run just because he fell forward. Um, who was it? Gosh, you're really... I'm good at searching. Are you, though? Because this is not coming up. What year was it? There was one uh, in 2010, 2011, where they were like... Where Kansas State was like 11-1. Colin Klein. Colin Klein. There was him. He was a big guy. And the one after him. It may have been a, a Thompson. But not Skyler Thompson. Either way usually have really good offensive line play. They have so-so running backs, kind of a deficit receiver. Defense is a, will slow you down a little bit. They'll make you earn it. Um, but they're definitely more of a team that's going to just run the clock, really reduce your chances, your time of, your time of possession, um, put the pressure on you to be as efficient as possible because... They just will grind the game out. You, you've had some success against them the past few years. Really close to them this past year. Unfortunately, ended up your defense kind of gave it away there at the end. Uh, Kansas State was able to close the gap and take the lead late in the game. Uh, you had the chance to tie it. Did you get, Did it go to overtime? Yes, it did go to overtime. It did go to overtime. People were all over and then, Kingsbury for not. I, th- I think we had some time left, and we just we just played for overtime. I think time yes. left in regulation. Yeah, that's right. But you went, you went on defense first. Kansas State scored a touchdown. You needed a touchdown. Nick Shimanek on fourth down, as we like to say, threw it to shallow water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a fourth down pass, threw it into the stands, which makes no sense because nobody had a chance to catch it. Nope. Um, Burns. While you are going to Manhattan on this game, I am confident that you will win this game. Oh, Spencer picking the win. The win in Manhattan. I'm picking the L. I'm picking, I'm picking a loss there. And it's not so much on the matchup. Part of it is. Part of it, well, a lot of it is really. Snyder just kind of has text number. Uh, he's able to, like you pointed out, just kind of beat you to death, but with a pillow. <laughs> like it, it, it's just you, you don't even know it's happened until it's happened, and then you look up and you realize that oh yeah we we lost. Was that a death by a thousand cuts? Uh huh. Yeah. Or all of a sudden you you look up and you realize that your uh, your offense with your top ten draft pick. Didn't score a point for like a quarter and a half in the last half of a game. While, while your defense was stopping. <laughs> while your State, defense was you playing lights out. 
So, yeah. So I, I, I will take... So I, you I'm know. taking an L there. And a lot of the reason I'm taking an L there is because, uh, you know, all of that is factored in, but spoiler alert, I don't think we're an eight-win team. <laughs> so that's a lot of the reason so why I'm just, taking an L there. <laughs> are you just building in a loss so you don't get to eight wins? Well, the UT, the UT and... Uh, Kansas State games were kind of coin flips for me, and so I really want to beat UT, and I think we can in Lubbock this year. So that's where I put the W there, and I put the L on K State. That was my thought process. So spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> Let me point you to the statistician Bill Connolly here. Okay, what's what's Connolly got? So for this matchup, he's got you know obviously he's got the projected S and P rank for Texas Tech at forty seven. The projected margin of this game, Kansas State. Plus point three, not even a. It's gonna be. I know. It's gonna home. be kind of like. It's there, gonna be like last year, but it's gonna be way. Le, uh, I, I think it's gonna be like twenty-seven, twenty-seven, or something at the end of regulation, or something crazy. Kansas State win probability of this game, fifty-one percent. And this it's, is a team really at is home. A, this is a team at home. It is a. It is a coin flip. I, I get you. I get you, man. But I, I don't want. I don't want to be that optimistic. I don't want to be that optimistic yet. I can't allow myself to be. I, I, I want to be that hopeful, but I, I'm, I'm going to let it play out a little bit more. I don't know if we'll, we probably shouldn't revise these. We'll just leave these alone. These will be no, because we're, we're going to use them to, to make fun of ourselves later in the oh, season. Oh, well, of course. Because any any chance to make fun of ourselves, I'm, yeah, I'm totally for that. Because the negative on, on this side of the, the table over here, me Spencer, so far I've got tech. At through eleven games, two, three, four, five, six, and five. Me too. Going into the Baylor game. Yep. This is, this is coming from somebody like three weeks ago said you're going to win four games. Yeah. You've already. I'm, I'm you've already, already gone up in the Kool Aid. Hundred fifty percent. Probably the, the non-conference sweep. I've got you going three and zero there. Mm-hmm. That may not be the case. All right. Game number twelve. Possibly the last game of the season. Although, if if our predictions hold true. You still have one more because we're both at six wins, at least six wins. Right. Baylor Bears in Arlington. Um, what do you think of Matt Rule? I think Rule is. I think he's recruited well. I don't know how. Uh, he seems to be who they need right now. But I'm I'm just is, not. Is that the, uh, the the Batman reference? He's the hero they <laughs> they need, but not the one they deserve, or something. Whatever that line yeah, is. Uh, yeah, at the end of Dark Knight, uh, I, I I do kind of like him. I, I I think that he's got some good qualities to him. And, okay, so here's here's the thing that I think is most interesting. Um, Seth pointed out that like eighty or eighty five percent of teams. Will have a win-loss variation of plus or two minus games from one year to the next. Right, I remember so, doing that. 2017, they were one and eleven. Obviously, you can't lose two more games than that. If they were to fall within that statistical category of plus or minus two games, really shouldn't be expected to go better than three and nine, maybe four and eight. A lot of people have them going five and seven and six and six. Like that's a five-game swing on a Baylor team that. Showed you nothing last year. Only Matt Campbell's capable of such heroics. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I'm past Iowa State right now. 
Yeah, he's definitely outside of that because I think I think they won three games the for his first year, and then they won eight last year. So, did they only win three games his first year? They've only won eleven huh. since he's been there. So I, I just did the reverse math. That was good reverse math. Thank you. I think it's called subtraction. True. So the quarterback for uh, Baylor Bears, Charlie Brewer. You might recognize that name. That's that is a very familiar name. Brother Michael Brewer was former quarterback for you, Texas Tech Red Raiders, before he injured his back, moved on to Virginia Tech, opened the door for the saga that was Davis Webb versus Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So you kind of understand his his make as an athlete, a little bit of a running running quarterback. Um, last year he was decent. Uh, obviously not very good if it's 1-11, but I don't think that was Brewer's fault. He was a true freshman. Yeah. Um, still not sure what to think of the Baylor rule offense because it's so different from what it used to be. Um, they still have like pieces of their their really explosive offense, especially their receivers, guys like Chris Platt. Um, I just saw the name. And Denzel Mims. Those are guys that played for Art Bryles and Kendall Bryles. Kendall. Were really good. Um, Kendall. They did pick up the transfer from Tennessee, Jalen Hurd. He was a quarterback for them, then went to receiver. Um, or, or maybe he went to running back. Yes. Sorry, he went from quarterback to running back. Now he'll be playing receiver for Baylor. Wow. He, he's a big dude, 6'4", 230. That's pretty stout. Also could be a running back, which is at that size, you're like, good night, that's a big dude. Um, I just, I don't see them making a five-game jump um, going from 111 to 6-6, six six, which means... Just in that alone, I think Texas Tech will win this game. Me too. So I've got Texas Tech going seven and five. Yep, we both do, but we've got we're, we're only flipped game, on UT and K State. Yeah, the only games we we differ, we differ on two games on a twelve game schedule. <laughs> you know, this this doesn't make for great uh, conflict, I'm sure for for anyone who was wanting that but that's we, we should have picked like exact opposite schedule like you picked like a, a sweep yeah. I pick a, a straight three losses talk you I, into I can't, I can't do three losses with Lamar in there though yeah and then I and then I talk you into uh, yeah but we're gonna win in Ames and then we're gonna beat OU like, <laughs> just do like the complete opposite you picked a loss in Oklahoma State I would have said we'll win that one we'll lose West Virginia uh, we'll, we'll you know you pick a win in Fort Worth I'll pick a loss yeah yeah, we could have done that. We, we should have been a little more interesting. So, 7-5. <laughs> that, that should be our motto. That should be how we sign off. <laughs> Wish we could be a little more interesting. Thanks for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. We should have been a little bit more interesting. <laughs> there was actually one of the, one of the bumpers on, um, on the radio show this morning, this afternoon, that listeners, after listening to this show, they would bring their sports IQ just below average. Hey, there it is. I was like, dang it, that would have been perfect for ours. Level playing field. Um, so yeah, I, I going into this, 
Did you see the preview? Did not expect to be making a winning season, especially a seven and five. Um, I think, you know, at seven and five, you're probably looking at an extension for Kingsbury because he's. I wouldn't say do one, but like he's getting towards the end of his contract where you would expect a coach to be extended or let go. Right. If if anything, just for the sake of recruiting and for your assistants and to let them know that they're going to be stable around for a while unless Kingsbury decides to let them go. Uh, so I, I I wanted to bring up one other thing, the, the Baylor win probability to kind of echo what we were looking at at Kansas State based on the I don't want to hear it, man. stuff. I don't want to hear it. Baylor win probability against Tech is 49%. With a, Which means Texas Tech has a 51% chance. Right. Where I picked... The opposite with the Kansas State game, where Texas Tech had the 49% to win over Kansas State. Yep. I, I don't see how this is a, a, a such a close toss-up between these two teams. That that boggles my mind. We, we may be wishing and maybe we hadn't offense. said this in, in and maybe the, 12 weeks or something, but or maybe it's the neutral site. Tech has played – they have not played well in Arlington. I don't know if that has anything to do with S&P rankings. I doubt they take that into effect, but – Tech has not played well there. So, yeah, 7-5, and five, both of us. Um, Meineke Car Care Gator Bowl game. If we go 7-5, and five, I, I mean, we're going to be on the verge of being satisfied with the season. Yeah, Cause you on do, the verge. You do, you do improve from 6-6, six and six, um, obviously winning more games. You're not improving your, your conference win total because I think – if you go three and zero in non-conference, you're still gonna have a losing record in in, uh, in your conference schedule. If you're only finishing at seven and five, yep, you're gonna go four and five. So you're still bury, digging yourself deeper into that hole, especially for Kingsbury's career record versus t- Big Twelve teams. Um, he's below five hundred, isn't he? Yes, and I don't even think it's close to. He's close to five hundred. Oh, overall. he's close to five hundred overall. That's right. That's the stat I saw. Yeah, you're right. There's no way it's. It's probably below like three hundred. One, one more, one more stat that we keep pointing to that we pointed to a lot, especially the past couple of seasons. Do you think Tex and Kingsbury's record will improve by? Sorry, in games where they're trailing at halftime this season. Currently, they're like oh. two and twenty. Yeah, the Texas game, and I can't remember the other one. It was a while ago. But the Texas game last year was two. That was yeah, the second one. Win number two in year, <laughs> was, is it five? Well, he's on a streak. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. on a streak. He's on a 1-0 streak of being down at halftime and coming back and winning. So I'm going to say yes. Which also means that we had the lead in the bowl game and lost it. Oh, man. Is that right? Well, if if your streak comment is right. I said 1-0. Yeah, well, then it's... Well, I don't know if we had the lead in the bowl game. Well, now we're going to have to look at that. At halftime. Go on. What were you going to say? Well, I, I think he's going to I think he's gonna get another one. I think he's going to get another notch in, notch in the belt. Just one? Well, I thought that was your question, was at least one. Okay, sure. Well, okay, which game do you think it's going to be? Oh, man. You're going to make me pick it? Um... Just okay, okay. All right, I've got us. Okay, I've got two. I've got two possibilities right here. 
Oh, sorry, you were tied at halftime in the bowl game. Oh, okay. 10-10. All right, so see? See, he's on a 1-0 streak. And then gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that wasn't good. Those were, there were a lot of wide-open receivers. So you go 10 points in the first quarter with no coverage. Very soft. Soft as a, soft as a feather mattress coverage. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, but zero points in the second quarter, 14 in the third, 10 in the fourth. So pretty even except for the second quarter. You, South Florida just like ramped up on you. They went three points in the first, seven in the second, seven in the third, 21 in the fourth. Yeah, that's not the that's not a good way to end the, that, the season. That's a that's a collapse like we've seen far too often. I'm thinking, okay, I I picked two of them for possibilities for the uh, down at halftime stat. I'm picking Houston. I could I could see us mm-hmm. being down at halftime against nope. Houston, Mm-mm. and then come back and win, and then West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia, but definitely not. I don't think it, I don't think it'd be down at half. Really, to either one of those teams, it may be tied or you know, may have a small lead. I think your biggest one where you can come back and win, uh, where you're down at halftime, would be uh, Kansas State. Well, you or see, Ole you've Miss got... maybe or Ole Miss or Ole Miss. Okay, so uh, those are both teams. I think um, one Kansas State has this innate ability to start the game with the ball and end a half with the ball. Somehow they'll score at the very end. Um, or they'll score right at the end of the first half and then receive the opening kick in the second half, which is a huge momentum swing. Where oh, you're, gosh. You're like, if you're like, I feel like that happened to us all the time last if, year. If you're like, say you're down three points and, and you had this last drive, they scored a touchdown, you're down 10, third quarter starts, they score another touchdown, you're down 17. You went from three to 17 in two drives without you having a chance to get the ball. Yeah. I felt like a lot of times last year we. Uh, we went down the field and we kicked a field goal that we missed, and then, and then we turned the ball over on downs, and then kicked the ball off at you know after halftime. It just kind of snowballed. So yeah, I know. I, I think know the, the I biggest thing you're saying for sure. Kind of in regards to that that frustrated me, frustrated me last year was all those end of halves, end of games possessions. You had time, and you like just ran it out. Like I, yep. I, I want to see you be more, more risky. I, and I, I get that people are like, well, what if you, you turn the ball over and you give the other team another shot? I, I get that, but I want to see you be more, a little more aggressive. Thanks for joining us on the twenty seventh episode of the twenty three personnel podcast. Be sure to check out the mailbag edition where we talk about how Mike Leach would have done. Would he still be the all time wins leader if he had to schedule? Only three out-of-conference games instead of the four. we got some updated odds on the starting quarterback. An update to Cord Cutter's Corner and what we learned this week. For Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us this week.